Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Beats his tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three and three. 22 to Raja. Saw the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What is up? Welcome to Off the Bench. Danny Cannell and Raja Bell. Uh, we, I want to get to the Aaron Rodgers deal. I want to get to the shop with LeBron James. I want to get your uh, thoughts on that. But... First, I want to talk some tennis. Yeah, of all right, because we are a couple of we tennis experts yeah. on here. But yesterday, when David Sampson was in here, we started the show, and I, I, I want to get your thoughts on the idea that a sport, which has been played for a long time, would actually think about delaying matches, giving players extra time off because it's too hot. Because that's been happening up at the U.S. Open. There's been a lot of complaints. They've been allowing players ten minute breaks because of the heat wave that's right. coming through. Your initial reaction is. Silly. Right? Yeah. I, they're I, professional I, I, athletes. Exactly. Like, they're supposed to be in the top shape of their game. Like, they're supposed to be able to handle this. But this is a trickle-down effect, like, with with all of the, you know, with the stuff that's taking place at, like, University of Maryland with heat strokes. And, and I mean, it's... You, you get all serious. No, but, I mean, you've seen it happen in, like, you know, because back when we were in high school, like, you didn't even get a water break. Right. Like, seriously. Like, right. water was, like, weakness. Right. You know what I mean? You can't have water, bro. Keep it running. And now, you, you know, you see it in youth sports now, and so it's not... I mean, I'm not surprised that it's trickled into the pros, but I'm with you, bro. You're professional athletes. Andy Murray comes back. He has a match with uh Fernando Verdasco and actually took one of these 10-minute breaks because it was too hot. Andy Murray wasn't happy. He's going after Verdasco, said he doesn't know what he knows, the bleeping rules at the U.S. Open. Verdasco called him a liar, so there, at least there's some drama provided. That's, that's cool. Uh, yeah, Verdasco, lost, so Verdasco was – I was reading Verdasco's lips there a little bit on some of those clips. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's interesting to know if he was calling Andy Murray those words or if he was just yelling them. Cause you know, sometimes I, if I make a bucket, yeah, I might yell a, like a bad word. Right. Doesn't mean I'm yelling it at the guy who was guarding me. I'm just right. kind of fired up. Yeah. They definitely had something going on because yeah. after Verdasco called Murray a liar, like they're getting into it. a little drama, a little chippiness at the U.S. Open. I think it's good it's for good tennis. It's good for tennis for they sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Use it. Uh, you know what's good for football? Aaron Rodgers. You know what's good for Aaron Rodgers? Red. A brand new deal. Red. Four year, $134 million extension that could be worth up to $180 million mm. in total money. Now he's signed through 2023, which he'll be 40 years old. He said he wants to play till he's 40. I believe him. It's the new, 40 is the new 30 in the right. NFL. Guys are just playing that long. Uh, he's going to get $80 million before March 17th of 2019. When I look at this, I'm just like, I know people are like, ah, oh, is he over? I just think it's, it's the rate of quarterback. He's the best in the league right now outside of Tom Brady. He deserves it. I think it's just a done deal. Like I, it doesn't really move the needle. Like we used to say when move the needle. Right. I'm like, ah, eh, it's what he's supposed to make. It's the cost of doing business in the city. I mean, like that's just, it's, it's what, what did, what were you going to, what were you going to pay him? Like what are you going to do? Start taking, are the, you going to leave him? Start, or are you going to walk away from him? No. Right. Or you're going to reverse it and now you're going to start paying everybody less. Are you going to start trending down? That's not the way it works in sport as the salary cap continues to grow. Um, the better players continue to make more money than the one before them. So yep. it's all about timing. Um, the next guy up, whatever the next franchise guy up is going to make more than him potentially. Yep. Um, it's a whole lot of cash, bro. It's a whole lot. But let me ask you a question. A, it's a whole lot of cash, but I still think he's underpaid. As I do every NFL franchise quarterback, especially when you compare them to what other superstar athletes make. Cornerstone players in the NBA, 
what more significantly more especially over the long term like when right. we say when we say oh we could make 180 million our jaws drop as NFL players we're like wow that's a ton of money then you look at the total numbers that NBA guys are getting close 200 million it's double of what the NFL guys are yeah they're better they're better at and what they're they guaranteed do. they're better at what they do guaranteed. NBA oh, players are better at what go. they do now it is no but I mean look you have guys like LeBron and I think he's made the argument before that he's not he's I think not he's getting, yeah too. correct like yeah. I mean I think a lot of like global scale athletes could make the argument that their the restrictions of their salary caps in whatever league they're in prevent them from earning what they they would earn on a true open market. You know, you know who's not underpaid? Soccer players, Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar. Those guys are all just boatloads of money. Eighty four million to eighty. Like it's insane. and they all got like tax evasion like things going on. <laughs> right. Like you make all of that bread and you're like with it, right? Jeez, <laughs> right? Hey, at least they're not insider trading, which we're going to get to that a little bit later in the show too. There was also some um, NFL news. It was crazy day of news yesterday. Like, like this, the, we're going to get to the insider trading stuff. Uh, there was also the Teddy Bridgewater trade. Right. It was all coming down at the same time. Aaron Rodgers gets signed. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater gets traded to the Saints. I was a little bit surprised because everybody assumed there were some other trade partners. I don't think anybody predicted the Saints were going to be one of them. Yeah. I'm also a little bit surprised at the, 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 the pick that was traded or third round pick for Teddy Bridgewater goes to the Saints. Um, is that pick too high for Teddy or is it too, like, what, what was surprising about sixth it? Sixth round pick in 2019. Um, the Jets traded Teddy Bridgewater and a 2019 sixth round pick to the Saints in exchange for a 2019 third round pick. Right. A couple ways you can look at it. One, Teddy Bridgewater is only a one year deal. So the Saints are giving up too much. They're giving up a third round pick and they're only guaranteed to have Teddy Bridgewater for one year. Then he could hit the market and he could potentially leave them. Um, I feel the other way. I think third round picks are a dime a dozen. I think you see a ton of guys who are third rounders who play a year or two in the league. And you're getting a guy who shores up your backup position because yep. Drew Brees is getting up there. He's 39. If something happens to him, you're in a much better spot at the backup position because it was pretty atrocious behind Drew Brees. And there's a chance maybe he likes it. Maybe you can extend him. Maybe he's the heir apparent and he signs a deal after this season where he, he can – you know, go ahead and take over for Drew Brees when he's done. Yeah, totally. Um, the only thing about the Saints though is they got no first round pick in 2019 and now they don't have a third round pick in 2000. So they're going to be a little strapped in right. 2019. But anyway, I, I, look, I think it, I think this is the, like the rare win-win deal. Mm-hmm. Like for the Jets, um, you pick up the third round pick. Um, you clear, And they had to give up a ton to get, to trade up to get Sam Darnold. To get Sam Darnold. You clear the controversy, so to speak, because everybody knows that McCown is going to be the the backup there and Sam Darnold can now, you can roll him out. There's no real controversy. For the Saints, I agree with you. Like, I I think you saw in Philadelphia last year, you know, people want to have a backup that's like a starter. You know, you want to have a guy that, you know, you could throw out there and trust that he's going to run your stuff. Now, he's not going to be your guy necessarily, but Treddy Bridgewater is that insurance policy for the Saints who are a good team, right? And if anything should happen to Drew Brees, they have that backup. Plus, you get a look at a guy, to your point, Drew Brees is, he's a little long in the tooth. Um, this is a good situation for Teddy. Right. For- uh, listen, indoors, right? Like, what was the knock on Teddy? Like, didn't have like a rocket of an arm, had kind of smaller hands, right? Like that yeah. type of stuff. So weather isn't a good thing for Teddy as a quarterback, right? Right. You put him inside, in the dome, dope running game with Kamara and, um, and Ingram. Ingram. Um, those are things that are sustainable if Teddy should come in and look good and Drew, you know, is out the door in a year or two. So you get a look at Teddy. Uh, I think it's a win-win. And it's a potential 
succession plan to Drew Brees. Right. It's a smart thing to do. We're seeing how the uh, the Patriots are going to have issues with that, that they traded Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, mm-hmm. who's going to be their apparent to them? Now they at least have a short-term answer to that question. I thought the Jets did it too soon. I thought they could have potentially gotten a second-round pick and maybe more if they held on to Teddy kept him for a month right. and waiting to see what happened around the NFL. If some starter gets hurt, and this is where the Saints might be on a gold mine because they could still move on yep. from him again yeah. if they have to, but I, I'm with you. I think it's a great spot for Teddy. Well, my only my question, I mean, and this is just local, right? And we're not local, but like, why wouldn't the Dolphins be involved in this situation at all? Don't ask me anything about the Dolphins because I cannot figure out what they're doing. I think they're the worst organization in the NFL, and somehow they fly under the radar with that yeah. because everybody's looking at the Browns. They are they're a mess, and they have been for a long time, and yet nobody talks about right. how bad they are as an organization. I'm with you. I, there's a bunch of teams that I would have liked to have seen. The Jaguars, I thought he could have pushed Blake Bortles. Sure. He could have pushed Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. Um, there's other teams that he potentially could have played on sooner. I would have loved the hometown story. Yeah. Like, hey, bring him back to where There were a lot of from. people pushing for Absolutely, him. and he could, have, he could have challenged Ryan Tannehill because some of these young quarterbacks who have these guaranteed money behind them, they don't have a care in the world because they're like, ah, I'm good. But if you have a guy breathing down your neck and you yeah. know that, hey, if I play bad, I'm going to get benched, maybe that will curb some of the interceptions as opposed to the other right. options that you have out there. Um, Sam Darnold, obviously the Jets feel better about him, the fact they move on for Teddy Bridgewater. It looks like he's starting. He's Patience. going to start week one for the Jets. Patience, New York. That's not a, a suit. That's like, that's, <laughs> that's not a quality trait that New York. I got really it. I understand. <laughs> I 100% understand, but you gotta be patient with, with, with the rookie in there. And you have to know why you moved Teddy Bridgewater. Um, and it's going to take some time. You, how, how often do you drop a rookie in there? He's going to be the youngest rookie to start a game in like, since the AF, AFC NFC merger, right? Yes. You, you really think he's going to, like, and they probably do. New York fans probably are so disillusioned that they think they're going to drop him in there and it's going to be like off to the races. It's, I'm concerned about Sam Darnold for a couple of reasons. One, I think he is going to be on a bad team. I'm concerned about the hype because this is what New York likes to do. They like to build you up as being the same. I mean, Mark Sanchez, we raved about, right? I mean, oh. he, like, he was a <laughs> cover boy. Everybody's like, oh, this is fantastic. Yeah. They love to build you up and then they love to tear you down and say, oh, man, this is a bust. And I don't, th- I think he'll get a grace period and he should. If, if any Jets fans are, have any bit of wisdom about the game of football, this year is a watch. It's a learning year. You can go 1-15. in 15. All you want to do is see Sam Darnold develop. You want to see him stay healthy, get his reps so he can learn the position. But I'm worried about him because I do think it's going to be a long year. Yeah. I think he's not playing with a lot of talent around him. I think he's going to get hit a lot. And I don't. everybody loves Sam Darnold. I'm a little lukewarm on him. Like, I think he could be good. Right. But I liked Baker Mayfield better. I probably like Josh Rosen better than I like Sam Darnold's skill set. When I watch him throw, I don't see the top-tier arm strength, and I see him playing at USC, and I'm like, man, he's got a lot of talent around him. Now he's going to be on a team with not a lot of talent around him. Can he elevate the level of play, guys, the way that Aaron Rodgers does and the way that some of these greats, that he's going to be judged on that scale? Not right now, but eventually, if you want to be considered a true franchise quarterback, you've got to be somebody that can lift up everybody around you. And I just I I don't I don't know if he has that. Does all right? Not Todd Bowles' decision clearly, right? This comes from above his his uh, office. Uh, what does it do for Todd Bowles? Because he is like right squarely on the hot seat in right. terms of um, wins or losses this year. Does it buy him some extra time with this, or is there already a plan? Do you imagine like 
I think there's already a plan in place. Like, listen, right. this is going to this suck this year. Right. We're going to move on from Todd anyway. We start from scratch oh. next year. Like, right. that's where I'm at with it. See, that's, that's what I'm awful. Like, and I get that with the Browns, too, because they feel like they're in the same thing with Hugh Jackson. Like, yeah, like he's won one game. It's been bad. Now, Todd Bowles has had more success. He's a defensive minded coach. So maybe that buys him as long as the defense looks mm-hmm. good. And you're look, you know, there are some things I think you look for. I think if you're the Jets ownership, the Jets brass, you look at it and you say, cause I always look, I hate looking at the records. Does the team respond to you? True. Have, did you still own the respect of the locker room? And you can have that even on a bad team. That's absolutely a right. Five win team. So that's what I would be looking at. But unfortunately in this business, it is a bottom line business. And sometimes teams cut ways with coaches, part ways with coaches. Because simply because of the record, yeah. and I think it's going to be a bad record. So I hope the Jets do have a plan. But I'm, I'm t- I tend to lean with you, and they're probably like, "Yeah, we're probably going to move on anyway." Right. So let's just let it roll out. They're a rookie quarterback, and see how things go. But then you're going to put Sam Darnold in a, in a spot again, having to learn an entirely new system. Yeah. The best part I think Sam Darnold has going for him is that Josh McCown is in that quarterback room with him. I think he's the perfect mentor. He's going to be like having an extra quarterback coach. And you know the value of this better than anybody. Veterans are almost more important than the coaching staff. Like good veterans Absolutely. around young players. They teach them the business of being a professional athlete, how to prepare, how to handle the media, how to handle adversity. The fact that Bridge uh that Sam Darnold has McCown behind him, I think is gonna be a huge asset. Coaches only get so much time with you. Mm-hmm. There's so much stuff that they have to take care of. Um and even position coaches. Like in the NBA, there are four or five coaches. So you you, you do have a coach for every four players, so to speak, and you kind of break down and you shoot with those coaches. But even still, they only get so much time with you. You live with your quarterback, your your backup quarterback, yep. or your 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 vet. Mm-hmm. Like those are the guys that are on the road trips with you, eating dinner with you, um, you know, teaching you about how to be in the weight room, having you over during holidays, spending time with their family, really just you know being being a mentor, you know, and yep. they're the ones that can really deep dive into what it, what it, like you, you'll see on film, let's say pick and roll, mm-hmm. right? And your coach can tell you, Hey Raj, look, you should have come off this and you should have been looking there. And you're kind of left with like, okay, I hear what you're saying, but like you didn't really deep dive that for me. I don't really understand it. They don't have a time for that. Right. That my vet who's sitting behind me, who's done that a million and one times, like when we're in the car later and we might be going to get a workout or something, he can say, Hey man, you know, remember when he was telling you this? Well, this is what you're looking for. Like, cause when I used to do it, I would struggle. And that is what like, that's the gene, like, that's the good stuff. That's the stuff that you need from your vet. That's the wisdom that's passed along. That's why they have guys even in every league that probably shouldn't be in the league anymore, but they're that valuable to the young guys. They pass on that knowledge. So best part about him too is Sam Darnold can relax knowing he's not out for his job. Which uh, I think, I think Bridgewater would have been a great backup too, but I'm sure there's a part of Bridgewater that's like, I want to play. I want to be a starter. And sure. McCown's at a point in his career where he's more comfortable. Now he probably wants to play too, but he's more comfortable. And Sam Darnold can relax knowing there's not a guy breathing down his neck that really wants his job. That's a dynamic that I think is helpful to Sam Darnold too. Because I think McCown will generally feel like, I want to help this team. I want to help this young quarterback. So interesting. I've been in some bad situations. Well, at, at what point, because we always talk about competition, right? And we just talked about it with Ryan Tannehill. And I agree with you that it's not the greatest thing for the incoming like high heralded rookie to have someone breathing down his neck but what point in his career like do you start saying all right now it's time to introduce some some competition to the young fella's diet because right right now i do think it could be a hindrance to the very young guy right who's not proving but how many years in or what level of play does he have to get to 
to where you say, all right, now we're going to drop him in a competition, and now we have to start developing that. Like time. I think Tannehill's the perfect spot. Right. If you get in three, four, five years, and your game isn't elevating, then it's got to be time to say, all right, we need something to push him. Right. And it's got to be there's that's that's the dynamic that the coaches have to figure out and start pushing him because I and to some extent I think Sam Darnold already did experience some competition because he did have to beat out Bridgewater. He had to show that he was worthy, just like you're seeing Baker Mayfield. He's having to go through some competition trying to beat out Tyrod Taylor. And the fact that he hasn't is good. Like, I think that's going to push Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor knows he's there. And everybody knows the long-term situation. That's why when eventually Baker Mayfield takes over, and it most likely will happen, they'll probably move on from Tyrod Taylor. Right. Because they don't want him in there Breathing wanting up. to have his right. job. You know? So it's a, right. it's a weird dynamic. It's a part of the business. But the better teams, the better quarterback rooms, the best position rooms are when everybody's kind of on the same yeah. setup. You know, Daniel's yep. in his seventh year and hasn't been pushed his entire career. Like you need somebody to come in there and start doing it. It's about time. <laughs> uh, we got to get to LeBron. I want to hear your thoughts on that. Okay. The shop aired the other night. We also have uh, a Dirk dunk. Dirk what? I can't believe it. I need to see video I of that. I dunk on his tiptoes. <laughs> We're going to do Dirk. all that next on Off the Bench. I wanted to talk about with this to you. I've been really anxious to hear your thoughts on this because LeBron debuted his uh, new show the other night on HBO, yeah. The Shop, and I was pretty excited to watch it. And I think me, like a lot of people, were kind of surprised uh, at the product because it was really open. Yeah. It was very raw. There was a lot of language that was involved. Not only, you know, a lot of curse words thrown around, but the N-word was thrown around. I was yeah. like, oh, okay, I wonder how this is going to play out <laughs> in the national scene. Right. And it's, granted, it's HBO, so it's cable. It's on at a you know, time. I don't think people are complaining about kids watching, which is totally safe. Right. But I have some questions for you after I watched it, okay? Because I don't have a lot of experience in a barbershop. Like, I've, I've had my hair cut. Maybe not an experience in a barbershop like that. Yeah. But see, here's my question for you. In an ethnic barbershop. But see, I don't know if this was a truly authentic ethnic barbershop. I didn't see it, so explain to me All what All right, so yeah. when you go to the barbershop, yeah. do you sip on wine? I sip on wine in yes. a barbershop. No, we're talking high-end barbershops now. I, uh, but I've never yes, been to no, one of these. So, no. But, yeah, but apparently no this is what it wine. is. But see, this is my problem with it because I think it was portrayed as this is every black American guy that's sitting clear, around these. Okay, clearly, so that's no, one. that's not. No. All right, so they're not sipping that's wine. That's not accurate. But I, I've been to some of those higher-end where they'll offer you a beer on tap. They'll offer yeah. you a drink or You might get like that. a Hawaiian punch <laughs> right. or something. I used to have a barber that smoked a cigarette and had a Hawaiian punch. That's and it. he wouldn't cut my hair that's if it was lightning outside. That's the type of shop I wanted to stand in. Let me ask you another thing do they have you ever been to a black barber shop where they have a white hipster doing the haircut um yeah nowadays okay, so it's yeah. more common yep. so you don't have to have a black yep. guy cutting your hair you especially especially down here in south florida where like you have a lot of uh like hispanic culture right like you could you could have like a hipster like you you would have a spanish dude in there fading people up and he could cut like right yeah so there's, yeah that white, happens like nowadays white new york hipster with the long hair and the beard and like the, the rolled up jeans uh yeah that was like it stood i think you could find me. that now back when i was young probably right. not what about when you when you have conversations yeah the bar, does everybody agree no all right so that's what, what? i was that's the about. best part of the barbershop like you get into like <laughs> right arguments yeah. about everything so it seemed to me when i watched this unfold and it was a really eclectic group of people yeah you had snoop dogg you had odell beckham you had uh alvin kamara draymond green candace parker oh, wow. john stewart okay one white guy that okay was there, okay just monitor things yeah. i guess i don't know why he was <laughs> in there but he was pretty funny in that conversation i didn't love it because of some of these things we're talking about. I thought there could have been more disagreement. I wish they would have had more open dialogue. The one part that I actually would have liked them to delve deeper into was Michael Bennett was talking about the N-word. And yeah. this was after the N-word had been thrown around a lot in the conversation. And Michael Bennett said, I don't use the N-word. 
And it kind of just got glossed over. I would have liked to hear a little bit more perspective from everybody in there, why some feel comfortable, sure. why some don't. Uh, them. The other thing I thought that was just weird is you had Draymond just go on this rant about how LeBron is the best player in the world and that he should come out and say it and he's the GOAT. And... And then you had John Stewart compared him to Ali. So like all, like at a barbershop, do you sit there and stroke a guy's ego the whole time or do you kind of make fun of a dude and knock him down? Like it just seemed um, weird to me. It felt like a really, like it was well, just first stroking of all, LeBron's it was, ego. It, this was their, this was their launch show, right? Yeah. It was their launch show. So there was going to be some homage paid to the king, if you will, right? It like, was and, and he produced, all bow down he to produced the king. it, right? I yes. mean, this is his production company and everything. So there, I mean, I'm going to grant him a little bit of that. Um, no, barbershops usually like you are, are like genuine places. And so if people agree, I don't think there's much like produced at a regular barbershop. So if people disagree, then you're going right. to get an argument. Right. Uh, if it's, if it's a clear cut, like, you know, back in the day, who's the greatest basketball player? 99% of people were screaming MJ. Right. And there was going to be a consensus. Like, right. there, you know, so I'm it, sure if they got, like, I would have liked to have somebody in that shop stand up for MJ and just say, right. well, what about the six rings or what about this or anything? But generationally they're past M like MJ so is. So bring in somebody from the past, bring in Barkley into that mix. I hear you. Bring in somebody that adds. An element of disagreement in there. Yeah. Well, and really, but they didn't talk that much. That was a sliver of it. And then a lot of it was kind of about culture where we are now. And LeBron talked about speaking up on a lot more sure. social issues. And, um, I, I don't, I, the one thing I disagree with him is he said he felt like his popularity went down. I don't know if he's taken that much of a hit in his popularity level because he's speaking out on, on issues that I think most of our country does agree on. Like, well, I think we can agree we need to do better as a society in the treatment of blacks when they're arrested or, you know, when they're pulled over. Yeah. I mean, like LeBron is such a big star. Like it, it would really be hard to quantify. I, I think right. he probably did lose. Look, there are some people that just don't want to hear that. Right. And just don't like, and anyone, LeBron included coming out and saying some of the things that he said, um, there are going to be people that disagree with that. Until today's political climate, like it's polarizing, right? Yeah. So I think he probably did lose fans. How many that really matter to his brand? I don't know. Um, but I, w I could see that. Um, but I actually appreciate that we're in a place where these guys feel that their platform is actually theirs mm -hmm. and it's not going to be puppeteered by someone else and they're not going to be beholden to like Nike or to whatever the brand NBA or whatever like look dude this is this is yours like you've earned you've earned this this is something that you've worked yes you've worked for the money and you've worked for the championships and you've worked for the ability to get your family uh to a better situation potentially but you've also worked for this platform so when you get it don't have it dictated to you by someone else for, for, you know, monetary gain. You got that. Right. So I appreciate today's athlete for coming out. Whether you like them or not, whether you like what they're saying or not, the fact that they're willing to stand up there, um, and bear their soul and let everyone know how they feel about it. I do appreciate that. I, one of the reasons I think LeBron feels like, and it, I'm pretty, there's probably some aspect of his popularity has gone down because uh, it, we are in a point of our yeah. country, but this is where I think a couple of things. One, People will take one sliver of what you say and they'll judge you by it. Yep. And I think people will do that when they hear LeBron say anything. One thing that he speaks up on, so he's like, I can't stand that he said that. The other thing I think that is really, it's kind of a sad commentary in our society is the Twitter effect, the social media effect. I guarantee you LeBron gets hammered with negativity all the time. And I think he's, he hears it because I think he's heard right. criticism, not only in the court, but off of it. And I bet he gets a ton of criticism. Somebody feels like, man, these people hate me. And I hate that for him. 
because it's all of us have to deal with it. It's just a sad commentary on where we are. Yeah, I think that look, if you so I have a few thoughts on the social media because apparently Odell like Odell was was in there and he was saying that he feels like he's a zoo animal at right. times. And, and that wasn't like, even so much the social media commentary. He was just saying as a superstar athlete, he's lost. He's had to give up a lot. He's had to give up privacy. He's had to give up the ability to just walk down the street and right. not be harassed. Well, I do feel like this though. I feel like they're intertwined just a little bit. Like I I I wasn't that guy. Like I, I could go a lot of places. Like in my heyday, in certain cities, people would recognize me. But generally speaking, like I could kind of move around as freely as I wanted to. Now I hung out with Steve Nash a lot, and he was a two-time MVP. So I witnessed like the inability to like go out and have dinner some nights, or go to the movie, or do something because you know people wanted a, a moment of your time, right. you know, and how difficult that could be. But in terms of athletes and giving up their privacy and social media. Those guys are very active. Like Odell Beckham Jr. And this isn't saying that he has a right to feel like that because right. it, it, it can be very invasive. And so I don't want to like, uh, like take away from the way he feels, right? Like the, what marginalized the way he feels. But when you are as active as you are on social media and you're giving everyone a glimpse into what you're doing, like almost every minute of the day and you're like, people want to be more involved. They, they feel like they know you, right. right? So you've created this relationship with your fan base and it's done intentionally because you want to sell you like right. you're, your brand. Why do you think he got the biggest shooting Correct. in the history of the NFL? So like it comes with the territory a bit. Like if you're out there branding to the degree that you're branding, then you can't really be upset when that fan who's been watching you on Instagram for six months and hanging on your every post sees you in the street and he's like, I don't really care if Odell Beckham's in the middle of a conversation. I just want to, I, like, that right. comes with territory. It might suck, but it kind of comes with territory. Absolutely. There are definitely perks to the fame. Money being a lot of them. You know, there's a lot that comes with that. And there's a negative side to it too. I think the thing that players would like to hear is that fans understand that because they don't. Like, if yeah. he kind of talked about, Hey, I had a guy ask me to dance in the street and he like, he didn't like it. That's over the that's, top. That's absolutely that's over the top. But I also think there's a time when fans have to realize if a guy's eating dinner or if he's hanging out with his kids or he's doing something and he's, and it's okay for an athlete to say no. It doesn't mean he's a jerk. It may yeah. mean he doesn't want to take a picture that day. The one time, so I, I have, I'm not an autograph guy. I've never been, but I've a couple times wanted to get up. Michael Jordan was one of them. Sure. Like I got to, you know, I want a picture or something. Shaquille O'Neal was in Tallahassee. I was going to the moon. It was a yeah. club there. Yeah. The I was going to the moon. We I'm like, in, what? No, no, we landed on the moon. Club. <laughs> it was awesome. Friday night was country night. Saturday night was hip hop night. Like total polar opposites. I was there on a hip hop night one yeah, night. Yeah. Shaquille O'Neal's in the parking lot and we're walking into the club together. Like kind of like not together. He was on yeah. the other side. I was like, I gotta get, I gotta get a pick. I gotta do something. So I went up and said, Hey, I said, can I get a autograph? You give him your resume. I did not. You did not? Because no, oh, I was, I, thought I, I was actually the starting quarterback. Yeah, you should have dropped like, that. And he was like, nah, man, not tonight. And I, oh. as a kid, I, I was totally fine with it. Yeah. I'd, you know, I'd been lucky enough to be around some athletes growing up. So I was like, that's cool. Yeah. Like, but he still like said, what's up? And he's like, nah, not tonight. And I was like, I left him alone. But I think some fans would walk away from that and say, Shaquille O'Neal's a jerk. And that's, that's where fans have to realize there's a give or take on their behalf. Where sometimes guys may not want to do it. Like yeah. they don't have to be on twenty four seven. Correct. I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, my moment was Ronnie Cycli when I was a young kid, and I didn't DJ. I, yeah, I, I hadn't really realized that I wasn't an autograph dude. Like I was just like, ah, will you sign this? And he's like, no. And I was like, okay, I'm never asking for an autograph. <laughs> that like shattered F your them. Life. I don't want any autographs. Um, oh, but 
Wait, no. Ronnie Cycli was your guy? Dude, no, I was, was the face of the heat. I, he was, and I was in the gym that day, like just messing around, and I had found like his player card, like in a pack of gum or something. And so I was like, I'm in the gym every day, so right. I'm like, I'll just gonna take the card with me. And then when he's tying his Why shoes not? one day, I'll ask him to sign it. And he was like, Nah. I was like, Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> so like, but um, I've had people ask me, Look, dude, I've had people ask me to sign diapers. I've had people come up in, in the middle of my movie, like, and, and like stand right in front of us while, you know, like that, that kind of stuff is over the top and fans do have to have a little bit of like discretion and use their better judgment at times. Um, but I will like players, you got to understand, dude, you're an entertainer, Mm -hmm. you know, like you, you don't play sport purely for sport. Like you play sport, you make a lot of money playing sport, and to some degree, you're an actor or you know an actress yep. or a model. Like you are in the entertainment business, so you can't be upset when when people want that access and they, to some degree, want to see the entertain your entertainment. You know, now look, asking somebody to dance for him in the street, right? I might, I might knock you out, bro. Like, <laughs> right, straight up, exactly. like that's disrespectful on a lot of levels. Like that goes right. beyond like just just wanting to to see me and 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 get to know what me. What if the but, fan thought he was Victor Cruz? <laughs> that's well, like, even worse. That's right. even worse on a lot of levels. <laughs> yes, <it is. laughs> All right, let's move on because we got to get some uh some gambling advice. Okay, some investment advice. That's what we're gonna call investment it. <laughs> that's coming up next on Off the Bench. Stick around. All right, for winning picks and fantasy advice, go to Sportsline. They combine simulations with expert analysis to give you an edge all football season. Sportsline members get all of this. They get picks from experts, former handicappers, and computer simulations, and deep fantasy analysis covering who you should draft, add, start, and more. Plus, I'm not done yet. Members have exclusive access to daily fantasy lineups from DFS millionaire Mike McClure. Join Sportsline today and get your first month for only $1 by using the promo code PASS. Just go to sportsline.com slash join and enter promo code PASS during payment to get Sportsline now for $1. Terms apply. Visit sportsline.com slash offer for details. Perfect timing because we got our guy Emery Hunt. He's our Sportsline expert joining us right now. He's a former college running back. He's a founder and analyst at Football Game Plan. Uh, Game Plan. You can follow him on Twitter at FBallGamePlan. Great follow. Louisiana Lafayette, that was your school. Now, are you, are you like the school? Are you trying to get rid of the Lafayette? Cause that's my only issue. Like they were always known as Louisiana Lafayette. Now they're trying to get rid of it. Listen, Danny, I have to correct you out here on this show. It is the University of Louisiana, period. Point blank, period. <laughs> Even better. I like it. All right. We'll make sure we get that right. So it's the University of Louisiana, period. I like it. All right. Let's get to some picks because Raja has a hunch on one and I'm a little worried about him. We'll bring some of your expert analysis in here. So Louisville at Bama. I don't know. It's a neutral site, but we'll go with that. Louisville at Bama. We don't know who's going to start for the tide. I think we're going to see both quarterbacks. Uh, no more Lamar Jackson for Louisville, regardless of under who's center for both teams. Is there any reason for you to think Bama's not going to cover this game? Bama is always tough for me, man, because you don't know what Bama will show up. They may decide to blow you out. They may decide to take, you know, have some mercy. And I honestly think when you look at Louisville's passing game with Jawan Pass and those receivers, their experience, they can put up some points. But I, I just have a hard time believing in Bama because Bama is usually a tough bet. Uh, when it's time to come uh, from a Vegas perspective, because we don't know which Bama's offense will step onto the field. And I agree with you. I think we're going to see both teams. So if I was a betting guy for on this game, I would stay away from it because I just don't know what we're going to expect from Alabama's offense. That's one of the best pieces of advice I heard from Brent Musburger. 
uh, you know, who's a legend yeah. in, the, in the business, he always said, if you see some of these big numbers, especially are in the season, just avoid them. Like, don't touch that game. Don't touch That's it. That's all I'm going to do. I'm don't, not touching it. All right. Well, here's another big one. Let's, let's get to a Friday game real quick. You got Wisconsin, who's a, uh, heavy favorite. What's it? 35 and a half. Yeah. Um, over Western Kentucky. How do you, how do you analyze an early game like that? Now, see, that big number I like because here's the thing. Wisconsin is going to get the – they're going to get hated on because of where they play, how they play. It's not pretty, but it's effective. And so for them, and I hate to say this, they have to win with style points. And this is just a bad matchup for Western Kentucky. They have to replace a quarterback. They're replacing some pieces along the offensive line. And this is the worst possible matchup you want to face when you have to replace anything along the line of scrimmage. Wisconsin is going to run early. They're going to run often. I think they may actually win this game by 35 points. It may even be 35 to nothing. I think Wisconsin will have to win big and win often if they want to get to the playoffs. All right, so you like Wisconsin to cover. Definitely they're going to want to kick off Jonathan Taylor's Heisman campaign, too, with a big day, so they should try to establish the line of scrimmage. Monday, Labor Day, the best game of the weekend, Rajah, the best game of the weekend. Virginia Tech's going to Tallahassee. No, man, I'm thinking Sunday. We're getting the better game. (laughs) Virginia Tech's going to Tallahassee. Florida State is a seven and a half point home favorite. Who do you like in this one? This is tough, man, because we've seen across the you know, Virginia Tech's team over the summer, they've lost every starter that they've had due to suspension and things like that. So we don't know who's going to step out there on defense for Virginia Tech, but they still have Bud Foster. So I can trust their defense. Florida State with Willie Taggart. I love the fact that he's going with DeAndre Francois. And what I love about him is the fact that it takes one big hit for him to get really going in the game. So I, I think he's going to do fine. I, that half, that you know, seven and a half scares me. I can see Florida State winning this game, but it won't be by seven and a half. I would say maybe around five. So I would take Virginia Tech in the points, but I do like Florida State to win. Um, hey, Danny's favorite team, the Central Florida, the Central <laughs> yeah. Florida Knights. Code um, champion. Yeah, that's tonight, right? They got UConn. Yeah, yeah. Um, over under. I like when I think of them, I just think of high scoring. You know, offenses. Mackenzie Milton is his name. Yeah, yeah I like him. Um, over under seventy one and a half. I mean. That, it would have to be all UCF for that to happen because I just don't see Austin <laughs> from UConn. Um, I would take the under on that one. I, UConn is usually pretty solid on defense for at least two quarters of a, of a game. I think that score may be like 56 to 17 or something like that. So I don't, I would, I would tend to lean under because I just don't know which UConn offense will show up. And UCF, again, they lost a lot. They're still going to be good. I don't know if they're going to be 71 points good. All right, so I heard a little birdie told me you're high in the Army-Duke game. Army's going to bring in the triple option. Cutcliffe always has you know, pretty good offense on hand. What do you like in the Army-Duke game? From a football perspective, you will never blow out a military program or an option team because they possess the ball so doggone long. So I think in this game, you have to have really good defense. Now, Duke has good defense. They don't have 13 points in a 13.5-point type defense, right? Um, Army beat them last year. Army was one of the best defensive teams in the country. I think Army just flat out wins this game. I think they're good still on offense. Their offensive line is still good. Defensively, they're excellent. Eight starters return. I think they beat Duke. So I would say take Army in the points easily on this. And that's one of my biggest strategies is find the option team, find who they're playing. If that defense is not up to par, take the option team always. Uh, all right, so let me ask you a quick question about the Heisman. Um, we know who some of the front runners are, but who are some of the value picks maybe for, for the Heisman this season? I would say Trace McSorley won at Penn State. He could put up some big numbers in that offense, even without Joe Moorhead. 
But my dark horse and, and great value here would be Dwayne Haskins. I just think that when you look at JT Barrett's leadership, Braxton Miller's athleticism, Cordell Jones's arm, combine all three into one, you get Dwayne Haskins. I think he's going to put up some phenomenal numbers this year for Ohio State. Anybody else you like there? Jake Browning, potentially. Like we talked about Jonathan Taylor kicking off the Heisman team for Wisconsin. Do you like any of those guys? Or are they? Is the value just not there? I like Jake Browning, man. I don't know why he gets so much hate nationally around the college football realm because all he does is have his team in position to win. And when you look at Washington this year, they look outstanding, and I think he's going to put up some phenomenal numbers once again. And he's going to have these guys right in the playoff conversation toward the end. I think they can actually win the Pac-12. And Jake Browning just, you know, he's going to be the Trace McSorley of the West Coast. I think he's going to put up great numbers. He's going to be in the conversation for uh, the Heisman Trophy, and I think he can be one of the finalists because we know, and Danny, you know this well, the Heisman Trophy loves quarterbacks. Yes, they do. <laughs> As they should. Ooh. Emery, that's how it goes. Hey, Emery, thanks for coming on with us, man. We really appreciate it. Great insight. But if we go over on those picks, I'm going to have to crush you. <laughs> <laughs> nah, good stuff, Thank man. We hope we, get, hope we get back here on again. Awesome. Appreciate All it. Right. All right. Let's bring in uh, Hannah. Hannah, what you got for socially relevant for us today? All right, you guys talked about it earlier in this show, and we all know it by now. Aaron Rodgers got paid, but now one of his teammates is trying to get his own pretty penny off of Rodgers' dime. So when the news broke of the contract extension on Wednesday, Devontae Adams responded on Twitter saying, quote, yet he still ain't paid me my $20 I let him borrow in 2016. So guys, help me out here. What is really worse? Devontae Adams actually remembering 20 bucks from two years ago, or Rodgers possibly being that guy that never gets you back? Ooh. It's way worse on Aaron Rodgers. I'm glad Devontae Adams needs to call him out and charge interest. What's the compounded interest on that? I don't know. Whatever it is, figure it out. And then double it. Like, make him pay that premium. All right. Well, there is one guy who's got your back, and that's Manu Ginobili. So you guys remember back in 29, or 2009, what was I saying? 2009, when that bat flew around the court during a game at the AT&T Center. The game was ironically on Halloween, but he was the hero of it all when he swatted, swatted that bat and then carried it off to one of the ushers. You guys can see it here just in case you don't remember. But we're going to fast forward to this week. Oh, check out that bat. I like the spotlight on the right? bat. It's like the hockey puck thing that shows you where it is. There, there it goes. He's about to spot it. No, oh that wait, not yet. Me out. Not, I, that freaked me out big time. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to mess oh, with there that. It is. There it is. Ginobili. Bump. Oh. All right. You're tripping. So you bro. see that, right? So tripping. fast forward to tripping. this week. Ginobili announced his retirement, and one company wasted no time in challenging his skill set. This company called Terminix officially offered him a job as a part-time field technician specializing in bat removal. Let me just like read part of this. It says, we'd certainly train you on alternative methods of bat removal and provide you with protective gear, but the calmness and timing you displayed in that moment aligns well with the skills we need to serve our customers all over San Antonio. So guys, this is really nothing but like a really great PR move, right? I mean, that's fantastic. Genius. Yeah. It's free advertising. I wonder how long they've been sitting on this. Like, yeah. like, like three, oh, no, no. four it's, years. And she swatted the bat. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, he's already he in his twilight since So they're the only the people out there that are probably saying, man, I hope he retires. Yes. Like, everybody wants him to keep playing except for them. Terminex, good for you. Free advertising. Would you ever, like, I just generally speaking, I'm not touching a bat. No, I ain't going nowhere near a bat. I, I mean, almost feel like it was reflexes, like it was around him and he just swatted it. I'm talking about, like, under any circumstances. Like, if it's in my house, like, I'll probably usher my wife and the kids in another room and then call somebody. I'm not touching a yeah, bat. I don't even like touching birds in general. Anything with wings, Period. I'm not touching yeah, it. Yeah. 
that's a good move, guys, because he actually had to get a rabies shot after that. <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. So, yeah, I like your mentality. All right, last but not least, because it's almost Friday and we're in a good mood. So LeBron James was seen working out at the gym, doing his thing per usual. But it's his quick little dance break that really got people talking. Check it out. Oh, <laughs> with the shoe? Look at him. That's, that's the Fortnite thing. Yeah, that that's, that's Fortnite. That's, yeah, I think my daughter knows all these names. I don't know what they are. Fortnite like renames some different stuff, but I think they somebody called that shooting or something. <laughs> I see. I like see. I Why does everybody work out with their shirt off now? Did you did you used to work out with your shirt off? Heck no, I didn't have abs like that either. I mean, I, I guess. No, I guess. I guess. I guess. I guess. No shirt off all the time. <laughs> I wouldn't even wear a shirt to work if I had abs like that. Are you kidding me? I'd just be constantly with my shirt off if I looked like that. Hannah, I have a question for you. Yeah. I had a work issue crop up, and I, w- I need to know your opinion on this. Okay. Makeup. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> sharing and stuff. Are you cool with that? Because Casey Kiernan, one of our hosts on CBS Sports HQ, great yeah. dude. He lost. He forgot his makeup the other day. Mm-hmm. I'm a nice guy. He said, hey, can I borrow your makeup? I said, <laughs> sure. But afterwards, I'm like, what is the etiquette on that? Like, cleanliness? Is that kind of like borrowing your toothbrush, or is it less? It kind of is like a toothbrush. But I <laughs> will say... That's what I thought. No, no I will say it's happened stop. at least, like, 20 times in this office. I think it's just because I'm, like, one of the only females around here that everyone knows has makeup and <laughs> so all the guys come around and like nick costa shout out he'll be like hey can i borrow your powder today so it's just yeah. a normal thing nick now costa. Hannah gave me makeup advice so i actually have a nice like, little makeup kit fundamentally now. it's not like sharing a toothbrush like makeup artists oh, are in there there's all the brush. time and they're using the same face. brush on everybody <laughs> there's a brush it's not in your face. mouth <laughs> no, it's, it's still, still bad. Weird. Yeah, it's still, still bad. bad. <laughs> Good. Hannah's got my back. We're going to have to hit up Casey on that one. Yeah. All right, guys. That's all for Socially Relevant. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Canel and Bell. Coming up after the break, Danny and Raja are going to show off some of their own dance moves when they break down today's leftovers. Stay with us. You're watching Off the Bench. All right, welcome back to Off the Bench. Let's finish it off with some leftovers. You like that I new like little animation? That. Yeah, I, yeah, that I was kind of cool. Yeah, like Adam's yeah. Family hit. Yeah, I think uh, we have a bunch more of those. Coming really? Too. We're gonna like sprinkle them in now as we've been on big, CBS Sports. Big HQ. time. Yeah. So if you're time. listening, if you're listening to the podcast, you're like, what are they talking about? Yeah. Go to CBS Sports HQ. To- Dot com. You can check us out live. Mm. We're wearing. Yeah, I got a little something. Throat. You can see when I uncomfortably like have to get something out of my throat, and it gets weird. You can actually watch my face when it's embarrassing like that. So make sure you do that if you're listening to the pod. If you're watching us here, go subscribe to the pod. It works both ways. Uh, Michael Kendricks, linebacker for the Cleveland Browns. This was a story I saw it online. I saw the the headline which said he had been um, indicted for insider trading. I thought it was something he said on hard knocks like that was my first thing i was like because he was a featured guy on hard knocks right. on hbo and i was like i wonder if he said something about a stock tip and then i found out, i was like whoa i'm like this was way more serious than that this is something that's been going on for a while that the sec had investigated uh and he's been charged by federal prosecutors uh on making 1.2 million dollars in illegal profits on four major investments four years ago kendrick's which I was surprised again, came out, apologized to it, basically owned up to it. Right. Said, yeah, I did it. Um, said I was drawn into the allure of being more than just a football player. While I didn't fully understand all the details of the illegal trades, I knew it was wrong and I wholeheartedly regret my actions. This sucks. Like I hate this for him. He was cut by the Browns last night. 
He seemed like a really bright guy who was a important piece of that Browns defense. He was breaking down the Eagles um, offensive players the other night. And he just seemed like a pretty good dude. Now he's finding himself fighting for a job. Who knows if he might have to do jail time. We saw Martha Stewart go to jail. Yeah. We've seen other people, you know, accused and, and have to serve time for some of these types of things. I, I'm not surprised at it though, because I think it happens more than people think. Like stock tips are traded in locker rooms. Guys, when you're an athlete, you get to run with people in yeah. different circles of life, Your different network. walks of life. They're trying to take advantage of you. They're looking for investments. So I kind of understand it. I'm sure it's easy for people to make fun of them and say, how could you do that? But I could totally see No, that. you could see that for sure. You could, like, people come up to you all the time and like, yo, hey, you want to put some money in? You know, that happens, I mean, all the time. Right. When you're an athlete like that. I imagine uh, any kind of entertainer or, or someone with, with financial means like that. So it's not surprising to me. It does suck though. Um, for him, especially if, well, he says that he knew it was wrong. So it doesn't suck that much because you did it willingly. Right. Uh, it would but suck there's more. There's so many gray areas of what you can and can't do. And there's loopholes of getting around it. And look, I am very skeptical of Wall Street. I think there's a ton of insider trading that goes on. I just think it's one of those things that's really hard to police. Yeah. And he's one of the guys that got busted while they were doing it. Like, I mean, I just wonder if it was like, hey, Blue Star loves Anacott Steel, like the old Wall Street line. Like, right. how secretive was it or was it out on the table? And he said, hey, this is what's going to happen. I don't know. I give him some benefit of the doubt saying maybe he didn't realize fully the extent of what the penalty could have been. Right. The only thing I'm curious about to make 1.2 million, like, did he put in 25 grand or did he put in a million and double it? Like, right. That's my, Twisted mindset. Yeah, you're trying like, to All right, what do we have to do? Is was it worth and it? Like, if, like if it was only twenty five grand, he turned yeah. it one point two. I'd have been like, well, I probably would have taken a shot at right, that right. too. You know, I don't know. No, I wouldn't have. I would have done the right thing. Uh, your reaction? New rule? It's not a supposedly. new rule. Oh, so the NBA is saying, you know what? We're gonna have color scheme sneakers. We're gonna let players do what they want. Go look. Go uh, go look up like what Kyrie and those guys wore all last year. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm like ninety five percent sure that dudes were wearing whatever color shoes they wanted to wear for the last year or two. Like as these new, I, I'm not I'm not ninety. I'm a hundred percent sure. LeBron dropped to the theme nights because they have theme nights where guys can wear whatever they want. No, Jesus, LeBron. Listen, last year LeBron had a new like he did like an homage to like all of his favorite Nikes, mm-hmm. and so his shoe would be it would look like a Deion Sanders shoe one night. The next night it would look like the Nike box. The next night it would look like the waffle trainer. He did that throughout the whole those season. In Cavs color? Colors or no? No, they, they would be in like yeah, in whatever colors that they, they they wanted him to be. And look, the Kyrie Easter eggs that you got like nah, man, they've been doing that for a minute. I don't know how long. And now they're, they're just now it's fully out there. The only thing they can't do is they can't have any sharp protruding objects or reflective elements. Yeah. For anybody out there who's listening, like what would they have you seen like some of these Gucci and Louboutin shoes, men's the shoes that have the spikes out of them? Because yeah, those crazy. were coming next. Like those were. So good thing for them. Safety issue. Kyrie's first pair of shoes, my wife's favorite of his, have a studded like heel cup. Yeah. They're fire though. Like right. it's plastic. But it, I'm wearing, it's fire. I, got, I got a pair. I'm, I'm wearing tomorrow. Oh, where? With a little some studs some on Some Gooch? Too. You know who definitely shouldn't be wearing studded shoes? Draymond. Because he could... You sever some of the wrong places. You don't want to have that. Something sharp on there for them. (laughs) 